I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty pod with me, Rich Cooley. Uh, got a, a very exciting show for you today. So got another member of the Five Yard fam- family joining me today. So Nick, coming along to uh, to discuss some cornerstone players to be around. So how you doing, Nick? Doing really good, Rich. Thank you for having me on. An absolute honour. Hey, thank you for joining me. It's, uh, it's nice to be uh, sort of working my way around the five-year-old family. Uh, <laughs> Keeping it in-house. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think we've got stocks booked in for a week or two and uh, there's a few others coming on later in February. So very excited to be working my way around you all. Um, so today, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about um, essentially Nick's five favourite players to build around from a dynasty perspective. Um, but before we kind of dive into that, Nick, so in terms of, I guess, sort of your kind of dynasty exposure, so do you, do you play in many leagues? How does kind of, I guess, your exposure sit? Yeah, so prior to this season, I'd, I'd never really dabbled in dynasty. I'd, I'd mainly been focused on redraft with a bit of the daily fantasy sports thrown in. It was only really this past off season. I think when lockdown happened, it was a case of I've seen so many people talking about dynasty leagues and orphan teams, and I thought, you know, just, this is something I've never done before, but something I'm clearly missing out on because there's, there's this whole community out there of people that are talking about dynasty and this is the way to play fantasy football. So 
lockdown, of course, happened, and you know, as with everyone, you try and fill fill the time, fill the voids that that created. And I probably ended up rich joining too many dynasty leagues. I feel like I overcommitted this past season, and I'm trimming them down bit by bit. I think all in all, I was probably in somewhere between maybe twenty twenty five, and I think for just starting off in year one, that's too many. If anyone's listening back to this, don't do that. Do not jump in and commit to 20 or 25. But I think it was a case of I really like the drafting element of it. And I think because you're drafting players and then you're owning those players, you get that sort of attachment to certain players, as I'm sure we'll talk through as we go through. But that's that's probably why I ended up committing to so many because they were just friends leagues, nothing serious. There was the odd you know, money league and ones that I could, I think will or have been established long-term but will continue to, to run long-term. But I probably should have just mocked. <laughs> Rather than committing to Dynasty Leagues, I feel like I should have probably just done about 15 different mocks and just maybe stuck to five or ten Dynasty Leagues. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, you know, I, I was the same. I probably joined, I think I got up to 20 leagues and, and I think that's my limit and I'm not going to go beyond that sort of moving forward. Um, but yeah, you're not alone. I think there's a lot of people that overcommitted last year in lockdown, and uh, and uh, certainly once the season finished, there was a lot of orphan teams flying around as uh, as leagues were starting to shut down and things as well. Yeah, I reckon there will be again this season. I've seen a lot of leagues saying, you know, this isn't renewing next season, and I'm I'm sort of sat there like, oh, thank God, because that saves me the the difficult conversation of saying, sorry, I'm going to have to drop out of this league. Um, yeah, I think. You know, the, to actually manage the team isn't a problem, but I think because there's so much in fantasy football with waiver acquisitions and trades and stuff, you know, in Dynasty, you've got to look more long term. You can't be um, sort of like funnel visioned with it. You, you've you've got to look really long term at your team and what's right and make decisions based on that. And I think it, it's definitely tougher to manage. It's more time consuming managing and setting your lineups. Yeah, and I think that you know, for me, it's about Dynasty's not a you know a, a short term thing that you can just commit to set a line up and, and forget about it kind of thing. It is very much you need to work in the off season and there's nothing worse than being in a dynasty league. I'm in a couple that have been running for a few years. And during the middle of the off season just everybody disappears. And it's an absolute nightmare because it's you know, you're you're trying to improve and make moves and, and there's seven or eight in the league that don't want to know. And quite frankly, those are the you know the leagues that I don't want to be in anymore. And I think that you know, yes, it's great to be in hundreds of leagues and do hundreds of startup drafts because they're, you know, they're the exciting thing. They're fantastic. <laughs> but actually, I think you need to put a realistic cap on it. Know, know your kind of levels because, as you said, you're just not doing those leagues. Just you're not just not justifying those leagues in terms of be your spot being in that league as such. Um, so moving on to kind of the the five cornerstone players. So I basically set Nick the task of pick. Five players, they can be any position, any age, anything really um, that you would want to build around kind of your dynasty team to build around them. So what was kind of the aim for you here, Nick? What were you thinking win now? Were you thinking let's go with youth? What, what was the aim? I think when we go through the five, Rich, I think, I mean, you could look at it and say win now because I think all five players that I've picked as part of this, have, have all got that that explosive ability. You know, they're, they're not necessarily the top player at the position, but they've got potential to be. 
I think for me, when I'm constructing a dynasty team, I, I, I really look for for youth. I think, I think you can, a lot of experience and players that can contribute in a positive way. For me, I, I've noticed from the startups that the, the, you know, players tend to drop through the draft. Players that, you, you know, you wouldn't necessarily expect to drop because they don't hold as much value in, in dynasty. But those are your guys that you can, plug in short term for maybe a couple of seasons but at the top end of the draft obviously I'm I'm looking more for for youth and specific positions that I might target that I think have longer staying power than others wide receiver for example yeah and I think that you know we, we talked about this before and, and that's kind of my I guess overall arching kind of overarching model in terms of how I like to build dynasty I think wide receiver is the most stable position that we can build around um, that tends to be the core of most of my dynasty rosters. I know probably, you know, we're looking at running back as that number one asset, but actually if I can build round receivers and then go out and acquire, I'm, I'm happy to overpay for a stud running back. If it means that my team's in a, a win now position, um, I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So let's, let's dive straight in then, Nick. So first guy, so who's your, um, your first guy that you're picking? So Josh Allen is a guy who I, I drafted a lot of in, in the past season when I was doing startups and a player I was trying to acquire in a, any sort of often team that I was taking over. When you look at Josh Allen's career, it, it's constantly an upward trend season on season. Um, he's just, he's, he's, you know, he's coming off his best season. <laughs> it would be so easy to say Pat Mahomes. It's so easy to say a player like Pat Mahomes here and it's so obvious to say that, you know, especially if, if you join in, say, a super flex league as opposed to just, you know, your standard league format. I think this list of five, you could quite easily make the case that three of it should be quarterbacks, but I've not gone down that route. Um, Josh Allen, for me, you know, he's, he's, he's answered a lot of questions, I think, this season. He's, you know, he's got a big arm. He's had 4,500 passing yards plus. That's an area of the game I think that a lot of people questioned in 2018 and 2019 with, with Josh Allen, and we've seen that this year. You know, it, it was he's always capable of making plays with his legs, but does he have the arm to to be a, a successful top five quarterback? And I think he's answered that this year. And a lot of his air yards as well. You know, the, the deep throws that he's making. He's I looked at a next gen stat that I thought was quite interesting was that he, uh, he had, I think it was the fourth highest completed air distance. So even even ahead of Mahomes, who, who's got obviously a massive arm. Um, you know, he's got that dual threat to his game as well, where you see it every week. He's, he's doing everything he's doing in spite of the Bills, not really having a running game and not really having a, a great tight end at, at the position or a consistent production from tight end. Um, and outside of Diggs, and I, I, you know, I, I like John Brown, but they've they've not got they've not got a massive amount at receiver either. When you look at some of the other teams that are in the playoffs, so yeah, I just I, th- I think with Josh Allen, I think what you what you can do with Josh Allen is his his price will have gone because of the season he's just had. But I think you can probably afford to draft him a little bit later than Emma Holmes prior to this season and Lamar Jackson. You know, he's, he's probably going to sneak up drafts, I've no doubt now. He's probably going to be QB2, QB3 in a lot of startups going forward. Probably still not quite as expensive as Mahomes, but yeah, I, I, I just really like like the fit, love the offence. Um, and and that, that Diggs connection's been, it's been absolute money all season. So yeah, 
just there's just something about Josh Allen. I think when you just watch him play, he's just, just so good to watch. Yeah, and I'm I'll be honest, I'm gonna have to eat a lot of crow. Um because uh yeah, this this time last year I think I I wrote an article saying that Josh Allen was the the biggest sell um at his price. I couldn't couldn't buy into him kind of you know, making a step up as a passer that that he did. Um I thought he was an inaccurate quarterback that was kind of buoyed in terms of his fantasy production by what I saw as the unsustainable kind of red zone performance in terms of rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to sit here and say I was completely <laughs> wrong on that. You know, he, he made the, the step he made this year as a passer, you know, a lot of that, yes, is is down to the, the Diggs connection, but actually he improved. If you look at the PFF passing grades, you know, he was above average in every single area of the field. He was uh, on their 0 to 100 scale. He was, I think, in the 90s on every pass that was over 25 yards downfield. Well, I mean, that that's just outrageous. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he finished as the QB two on the season. He averaged twenty five point seven points per game, which is, you know, weak winning. And that's his average. Um I think that the fact that, you know, Dable's not got a head coaching gig, um, which means he's gonna be around for another year, I think is a fantastic thing for him. Um I guess for me, my concern is his is his current price. So per DLF. Um, obviously, they do the monthly ADP. So he's currently the QB4. Um, and in Superflex starts, that's the 105 overall, which, I mean, I'll be brutally honest, at that point, I've got him as my QB4 at the moment, but I'm, I'm not happy taking him above the likes of Saquon. I'm not happy taking him over Christian McCaffrey. And I'd have to have a real thought about taking him over Devontae Adams, I'll be honest. Um, I just don't know if, and I, I say this a lot, but I just fear that we're drafting him at his ceiling based on what has been an incredible year. And I don't know if he's going to be able to reproduce that next year and beyond. You know, I look at, you talked about him earlier, someone like Pat Mahomes, and I'm confident that that offense is going to be incredible in two, three years' time. I, I don't know if Josh Allen is going to come back next year once defences have had an entire off-season to prep, an entire off-season to look at him, look at what they do. And, and I don't know if they're going to kind of take that step forward. It could be in a year's time I'm, I'm sat here eating crow again and he's, he's the QB1 overall. But um, I think, yeah, I love Josh Allen. I think I'm happy to admit I'm wrong, but I just don't know if I'm quite, you know, fifth overall pick seems seems a little bit high for me. Yeah. I think I completely get what you're saying there, Rich, with that. And I personally going into a lot of super flex drafts, I, I really was not on board the whole take a quarterback early kind of thing because I think outside of your top four or five one week to the next, it's all much of a muchness. If if you get the, the right quarterback on the right week in the right matchup it could be as as successful as playing one of the top five guys. So I, I completely get what you're saying, though. There's so many drafts that I was doing this past off-season where even in Superflex, I was just sort of like, I don't want to take a quarterback here because the likes of, you know, Berkeley were available and um, it wasn't Adams at the time. You know, Michael Thomas was was the focus, the top receiver in, in the drafts last season. But this, this seemed like there was a lot of, good skill players available without taking a quarterback and it was almost it seemed criminal 
I think letting them slip, but then that again is is the sort of the, the redraft or the non super flex mentality coming out of me that I've I've had I've ingrained into me throughout my fantasy footballing career. But I, I I completely agree with you. Last year, you know, I, I I was avoiding early QB in most drafts, and I was picking up Aaron Rodgers was underdrafted. Ryan Tannehill, I was getting late. I was getting guys like you know Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, in the sort of double digit rounds of superflex drafts because I think at the quarterback position we're so obsessed with you know I've banged on about this three or four times already, so I won't go over it. But I think we're obsessed with age too much because once you you know you're getting thirty five plus, you've still got two or three years left. Whereas a rookie, you know, who, who's to say that? You know, Tua or or Joe Burrow is is going to be a starting quarterback in two three years. You you can't sit here and guarantee that. Whereas, yeah. I'm fairly confident that Tom Brady's still going to come back and be a starting quarterback next year. Um, so moving on to to your second guy then. So where are we going here? I'm going with Justin Jefferson here, and this this will start becoming a reoccurring theme now, Rich, because three of my next four picks are wide receiver. But Justin Jefferson is just an obvious one for me. You know, break, breaking the uh, the rookie receiving yards record. I think he's in a really good situation in Minnesota as well because I think Adam Thielen draws a bit of attention away from him. I think a lot of you, you can you can get a lot of your top receivers that don't have a good good wingman. If if you know what I mean, you you've not got that number two. I think that's what partially probably improves Cooper Cup value uh, as a Rams fan because you've got Robert Woods on the other side of the field and even though Cooper Cup gets a lot of targets if you've got someone else that's drawing the attention of, of a, a good cornerback then you know you, you're going to have a lot of successful Sundays Justin Jefferson though coming off a, a massive season and I can only see or I'd hope that the situation will only improve going forward in Minnesota as well I don't think Cousins is a long-term option there there was that frustration creeping in in a couple of games last season where Je- Jefferson was heard on on the, on the mic saying, you know, throw it, Kirk. But yeah, I don't think he's a long-term option in Minnesota, which I suppose is, is like a bit of an uncertainty thing as well because, you know, you've always got that chance that you get lumped with a quarterback situation like we've seen in Washington in previous seasons. But um, yeah, I mean, all the talent in the world. He, he, he's caught seventy percent of his passes this season, which is is almost as much as DeAndre Hopkins, who is notoriously known as as one of the best pair of hands in the league. I'd like probably to see a higher touchdown volume, if I'm honest, moving forward. And again, I think that's something that Adam Thielen takes away from him a little bit because he's a big red zone target. But he's got everything that you want in a receiver. He runs good routes. He's he's young. He was successful in college, so you know the pedigrees there and it's it's translated to to the NFL now I'm seeing seeing a lot of talk about some of these good young rookie receivers that are coming through in this class but Jefferson's shown he can do it um, and people putting those receivers above Jefferson in rankings and for me you know if you've got a, a guy who's, who's been in the league and proven that he can do it which he has in this this opening season for him then you know this is the guy you've got to target and, and you're going to be getting a good seven, eight years of, of top production out of him and you do not have to worry about that position going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's hard, it's hard to hate this pick, isn't it? You've got a 22-year-old guy who's, he finished as the wide receiver eight this year. He was wide receiver 11 in terms of points per game, averaging 16.8. You know, that that's obscene in terms of production at that age profile. It's, it's everything you dream of in a, 
from the dynasty perspective. I guess I've got kind of two concerns when it comes to Jeff and Jeff, Justin Jefferson, and they're not, you know, massive concerns. Don't get me wrong, I'm, I still love him. I still love him at his current price. I think that he's, yes, he's had a great year, but I always worry when people have great, efficient years. Um, I had this concern about AJ Brown last year. Well, you know, he's, he's come out and proved that that offense can be incredibly efficient for a second year. You know, you look at Justin Jefferson, so he was fifth in the league in terms of yards per out run. Um, he was seventh in the league in terms of fancy points per out run. Um, and I just worry that if he's going to be able to continue that incredible level of efficiency again and again and again and again, if you know what I mean. Um, and I also worry that what that offense is going to look like. Um, now, I know he wasn't officially the offensive coordinator, but, you know, Gary Kubiak's retiring again. Um, I just worry if I think that he's such an incredible kind of offensive mind. And I worry whenever someone like that leaves the situation, how much that kind of affects and what's left behind as such. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, the, the, if you're targeting a receiver that's that's come out of this class, this this is probably... It's probably your most expensive one now, I would say. And this this was someone that you were you were able to draft at the back end of the first round, and in in some leagues, depending on league size, even the beginning of the second. Um, you know, there was a lot of people that were taking Rugs, Lamb, Judy, even Jalen Rager before him. Um, but great, great season and. Again, Rich, I, I can I can only sort of like agree and see your your side of it as well. But I, ju- I just think he's got all the attributes that you want in a receiver, and I'm I'm targeting him wherever I can. Um, again, obviously being conscious of the situation he finds himself in, I think one thing that is in his favour is there's a really, really, really good running game in Minnesota as well, and I think that massively helps receivers because it, it, if if nothing more, it keeps defenses honest. Yeah, and I do, I do think one thing going for him as well is that, you know, he showed in college that he's incredible working out of the slot. And obviously in Minnesota, Adam Thielen's primarily worked out of the slot. He only saw a 18.3% slot, slot rate last year. Now you'd start to expect as Thielen starts to kind of work out of the offense as he's, you know, he's 30 now. I would do wonder if Justin Jefferson's going to shift towards that back into that kind of more natural slot position, which which is only a good thing for fantasy production, um, let's be honest. Um, so who's who's your next guy? So my next guy is uh, one that you've just mentioned not too long since, AJ Brown. Um, I, I was a little bit low on AJ Brown coming into the season because I f- it felt like every time I saw him on red zone last year was just a highlight play. I didn't feel like there was a, a massive amount of receptions. And, you know, let's be honest, it's... It's run first in Tennessee. It's 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 Derek Henry's offense, but I just love the big playability there with AJ Brown. He, he had longs of ninety-one yards and seventy-three yard touchdowns in in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. And just as as a comparison with that, Rich, I looked at DK Metcalf because I feel like DK Metcalf's had about five hundred yard touchdowns this season <laughs> alone and a hundred yard chase back. Um, but actually, Metcalf's highest were 54 in 2019 and 62 in 20. Um, despite the fact I thought that the offense would again be heavily Derrick Henry based, he still managed 2,000 yard seasons in a run first offense, two years on the bounce. 
Um, and what you do get from AJ Brown as well is the touchdown outputs, the 19 touchdowns in two seasons, 19 receiving touchdowns. So, you, you know, again, it, it, it's not, this that's one thing if I could fault Justin Jefferson, one thing I'd like to see is his volume increase on that. And, and that's already there for AJ Brown. I think he'll be 24 when the 2021 yeah. season will start. So all his prime years are ahead of him. And I don't think there's a great deal more in Tennessee. And if anything, that would be my only concern. You know, Davis had a pretty good season this year. I'm not entirely sure if he's a free agent or not, but I feel like he is. I feel like he was in contract year. Yeah, Corey you know, Davis is. They've got Johnny Smith there. And I know Fersker had, had a few decent games in the second half of the season. But there's, there's not a great deal more in, in the receiving game for them, which might be a detriment because you could say, I suppose, AJ Brown might be targeted a little bit more. Um, I think if they can re-sign Davis, it, it won't be the worst thing they could do. But I'm, I'm sure he'll be looking for his money out, you know, coming off the best season of his career as well. So, yeah, AJ Brown, I'm, again, another one that I was low on coming into the season, but I'm targeting where possible now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, it's exactly the same point, isn't it? It's elite production at a young age. You know, what more can you want? He was the wide receiver 12 in terms of points per game this year. I think that, you know, it's a point I hit on when we talked about Justin Jefferson in that he's incredibly efficient. So I talked about his efficiency stats with Justin Jefferson. Well, AJ Brown was even better. He was second in the league in terms of fantasy points per route run. And he was second in the league in terms of yards per route run. Um, you know, we've, we've also got to remember that he came out the other day and said that he played all year on this injured injured knee that then required surgery after the season. So I hate to think what he's going to look like if he's back fully fit next year. It could be scary. Um, I do think, you know, completely agree with you. My one concern is that, you know, the offence does run through Derek Henry, as you said. But I think that AJ Brown is is always going to be able to get enough to, you know, eat essentially if we're saying that he's in a, run first offence is it's only gonna get better for him over the next few years. And if he's already able to put up wide receiver one numbers on the year in that run first offence, well you know, what why wouldn't you be taking that? So what, what one on. thing I find I was just gonna say Rich, one thing I find crazy about him is in a lot of rankings that you find as well, DK Metcalf is above him. And it just baffled baffles me. It really does. I I'm, and that's not no shade being thrown on Metcalf at all but the only thing separating the the two of them in terms of production is is who's actually throwing them the ball so Metcalf's got Wilson slinging him the ball and you know no no, um again no shade on Ryan Tannehill he's a he's a good quarterback but he's not Russell Wilson but for me AJ Brown is just the more complete receiver of the two yeah Um, and 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 it just it just shocks me that DK Metcalf still gets drafted above him or, or he's ranked above him well, I'm, I'm very pleased you said that because I've got AJ Brown as my wide receiver three. I've got Justin Jefferson as my wide receiver four, and I've got DK Metcalf as my wide receiver six. So, uh, so sounds like I we're won't complain at that. I'm, you know, I'm fine with that. Absolutely fine <laughs> with that. <laughs> so, so who would you taking these last two guys and Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown? If you had to pick one to be on your team for the next couple of years, who would you pick? Um, that is a great question. Um. I would go with oh Rich, you've sprung that on <laughs> I've me. I've already put you on the spot. Here. You have um, AJ Brown. Yeah. Is what? What's the reason? Is it just that extra year of production, or? Um, I think I think it is that. I think we've seen it in two years. I think 
I think he's got a better quarterback as well. I'd, for me, Ryan Tannehill above Kirk Cousins. And I know Tannehill signed signed the contract, didn't he, for four years. So we're probably getting at least another couple of years out of Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. Um, I think I, it, it, it's a, it, to be honest, that is a tough one. I'm saying AJ Brown and that's gut. If that's something that I really thought on, I could quite easily flip my opinion there and say Justin Jefferson. But I think just that extra year of eye test that we've had out of AJ Brown makes me probably side with him slightly more at this stage, but there's not much in it. It's not a bad decision to be having, let's be honest. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so moving on to um, to your fourth player. Murph's going to hate me for this one. Um, I'm going Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> I feel like... I feel like after Murph came on and, and had his, his little rant, I feel like I just get to wind you up now and uh, and, and let you go and uh, kind of offer your counter to all his points. A couple of weeks yeah, ago. and I'm, I'm interested to hear your views on him as well as, as the expert, Rich. But for me, I'm, I can see all the points of, of the detractors with Jonathan Taylor in terms of the offensive snap percentage and, and the sure. For me, You've got to look at the season in two halves with Jonathan Taylor. I think the first half of the season, you know, you, you, you see Jordan Wilkins taking goal line carries off him. That, sh- that should not be happening. You, you see Naeem Hines getting a lot of work out of the backfield and, uh, you know, even eating into that that carry count as well. Again, Naeem Hines is, is, a, is a good running back, but he should not be taken away from a majority count of carries. It, it it should very much for me be like the sort of Nick Chubb scenario in Cleveland where he tends to get the bulk of the carries and Kareem Hunt is involved in a lot of passing plays. Um, again, you, I think for me, you've got to look at the second half of the season. So I looked in, in the last eight games of the regular season. Taylor was RB5. Breaking it down to the last seven, he was RB3. You can see where this is going. The last six, he was RB2. And then in the last five games played in isolation, he was RB1. So I think it, it's, it almost seems to me, as, and I could be reading into it too much, but it almost seems to me as if Indianapolis didn't quite tap into him in the first half of the season, but then they found a way to use him efficiently in the second half of the season. And you could see that in his, his workload did increase, in, especially in the last few games. Um. He was sixth, actually, overall in rushing attempts in the last eight games of the season. Um, and he was joint second with, with Derek Henry in touchdowns. So for, for me, it's like I get why people would still be a little bit put off by him. And I've listened to Murph talk about Jonathan Taylor and I completely understand where Murph comes from in his analysis of it. But I, th- I think it's it's a, you, you can't ignore the impact he had in, in the second half of the season and you can't ignore that output. And when a team has that, you know, the the running back position, there's 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 a lot of serviceable running backs, I think, across the league, but there's not a massive amount of top, top tier running backs that you can really rely on week in, week out. The ones, you know, where, where you'd feel confident drafting them in the first two rounds of a draft. Beyond that, it could be a good season. It could be an injury-prone season. You know, it, it's a tough position, and there's a lot of turnover at the position. Rivers retiring, I think, also 
strengthens Taylor's case because we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be in Indianapolis going forward. It, it could be Jacob Eason for all we know. It could be someone in free agency. But again, you've you've seen what worked in the second half of the season. Why wouldn't you carry that forward? Um, you know, he had a really, really productive college career. He now seems to have carried that through into his performances in the NFL. You know, he averaged, averaged five yards per carry over the course of the season. That's an efficient running back. That's someone you've got to use. Um, I think one of the reasons I really like him from a a daily fantasy sport perspective, Rich, and this I think worries me and Murph sometimes differ on it, is he's got that that ceiling ability. You, you, you play him one week because you think he could really have a ceiling game. You're not really looking in that sort of... Um, that method of playing fantasy, if you will. You're not necessarily looking long-term. You just want that impact for that week. But I still want to own Jonathan Taylor in my dynasty leagues. Yeah, and I think if I can kind of sit on the fence between you and Murph, perhaps, I think <laughs> I I love Jonathan Taylor. I think, you know, he's, as you said, he's, he's probably one of the most productive college running backs ever. Um, you know, he's behind a fantastic offensive line. He has shown the kind of elite game-winning potential that he has both from an NFL perspective but also from a fantasy perspective. I guess for me, in terms of a dynasty thing, I'm where I kind of balance it is, is it's all about cost and value. And I think that if I've got Jonathan Taylor in my team, absolutely fantastic. And to be honest, I'm probably never selling him. But... I just don't know if I can bring myself to pay the cost that he's currently going at, which is, I yeah. think, where kind of where Murph's point is, is that I think he likes him as a player and I think he likes the potential, but I don't think he sees him as a top five to ten back next year and beyond. Yeah, I'm probably a little bit higher on him than Murph, but I certainly, you know, it's in latest ADP, so he's the RB3 going behind... CMC and Saquon. Well, you know, I, I can't see myself in a draft taking him over Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook. Um, and I'd have to have a real thought about Nick Chubb um, as well. And yeah. I think that for me, the way I try to build my dynasty rosters is that running back is the final position. And I'm only ever viewing running back in a two-year window. So age isn't the kind of be all and end all for me because yeah. I'm I'm basically I build up the rest of my roster and then I'm viewing right I need I now need running backs for the next two years. Well if you were to ask me now what running backs if I could own any running back in the league for the next two years, Jonathan Taylor he'd he'd be six for me yeah. and he couldn't get any higher than that. Well to me that says that I wouldn't pay his current cost of RB three. Yeah. Now it's I, I still love the guy and I still think that he's going to be, I think next year he'll probably be a top 10 back. And I think that he's going to get a bigger workload as you, as you hinted. I think with Philip Rivers gone, you're probably going to see Naeem Hines drift off a little bit. I don't think, you know, no, no quarterback in the NFL has targeted running backs at a higher percentage than Philip Rivers. So to me that, you know, that, that sort of limits Hines's upside. Um, I think a lot of this depends on, what quarterback comes in. You know, if Matt Stafford comes in, then that offense is going to be absolutely humming and be incredible. Mm. If Jacob Eason is the quarterback, who knows? Does this mean Jonathan Taylor is going to see eight men in the box every snap and and basically be in a, a ho-hum offense? Um, yeah. 
that that's also part of my concern at paying that cost at the moment is is a little bit of uncertainty. I'm with you on the cost because I I and again I hate paying for running backs. I was offered Christian McCaffrey in a league yesterday for Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins, and believe it or not, I turned it down because I was just like. For me, I, I prefer having the pieces, and that a lot of people might hear that and they might think well, you t- you turned Christian McCaffrey down for those two players. I like having the pieces, and it's a deep league that one as well, where there's multiple running back positions where you start. I think the the roster I'm building in in that league is like um, it's not necessarily a, a win now, but it could be a win in a couple of seasons. I'm the same. I I don't like paying top dollar for running backs because it's such a there's such a heavy turnover at the position and I think for my window's probably a little bit longer than yours Rich I know you said two years I probably target first contract so when it comes to contract year I think that's probably when I start looking at a running back and thinking I should try and get whatever value I can for you here whilst you're still maybe at, at your sort of prime of your game but it's that kind of position where it puts a lot of a lot of wear on the tires very fast. I think we've seen that with players like Zeke. Um, you know, De- Derrick Henry is an exception to it, but Derrick Henry didn't have the wear early in his his professional career in the NFL. So, yeah, I'm 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 with you on that. I, I do agree. Um, I never like paying for running backs. I don't like giving up a lot for running backs, even when it is McCaffrey. You know, if he's there in a draft, I'll take him. But I don't like giving up multiple players for a position where there's such a heavy turnover and especially if there is a history of injuries and stuff like that. I think where that that's one thing as well in, in Jonathan Taylor's arsenal is there was a lot of injuries last year and I think part of that is down to the preseason that or lack of. But in a war of attrition he, he you know he held out till the end and he he he's, he played in fifteen games so the regular season. So you know it's that's the kind of thing I'm looking for in a running back is that stability. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you, you hit on a point there as well is that, you know, if, if I'm not competing in 2021, then yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely selling Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Davin Cook, Derek Henry, Zeke, if I can get anything for them. Because in 2022, I'm not convinced they're going to be worth a similar price. Yeah. I'm, I'm less so panicking in someone like Jonathan Taylor. I'm, I'm confident that he's still going to be, you know, a, a top back in, in sort of two years or so. Certainly. Yeah, I think I think that's you sort of you, you sell high price as well. I think you've got a two three year window on running backs where you can sell them at their absolute peak price, and then beyond that, questions start sneaking in, especially when teams are reluctant to pay them because it throws that question mark in of is he going to be on this team? Is he going to be elsewhere? Is he going to be on a short term deal? Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, so the final guy to round out your uh, your five picks. This is probably my favourite of the lot, but I think it's more just from a personal. I, I, I love I love watching him play. He's Terry McLaurin, um, despite poor quarterback play throughout his his career so far in Washington, he's looked looked really good. Nine hundred nineteen receiving yards in his in his rookie season, um, and he had over a thousand in this past season with the quarterback carousel. You know, it's. I think Washington. You know, Ron Rivera's there now. I think he's steadied the ship a little bit. They've got a good defence there. I think they're going to start focusing on their offence. I don't think they can roll another season the way that they did last. Alex Smith's definitely not the long-term option there. So it'd be interesting 
which quarterback goes there. You mentioned Matt Stafford. I think Matt Stafford would be a, a great fit at Washington. Um, and and if if he was to go there, I think Terry McLaurin's stock absolutely soars. You know everything that you'd want from a receiver, great route runner. He looks smooth doing it. He he, he plays all over the field. He he, he can, you know, he's he great underneath, great downfield, great in that sort of that mid range. Uh, you know, moving the sticks. So yeah, lo- love Terry McLaurin. I think he has as well that big playability, similar to what AJ Brown has, without being probably quite as explosive as AJ Brown. Just think, just think he's, he's the the whole package, and I think what's good about Terry McLaurin is you can target him. You know, uh, he, he's, he'll be cheaper than your top guys. You, you're not going to pay Justin Jefferson and AJ Brown numbers to get him, um, and that that's why I like targeting Terry McLaurin. For me, his situation can only get better. It's certainly not going to get any worse. Yeah, and I th- I think that you know, it's, it's hard to to hate on a guy who's who's come out and he's had two years. I think he was. He was a fringe wide receiver two last year, and he's a, a top twenty guy this year. Um, and he did that with, as you said, you know, some of the worst QB play in, in terms of the, the entire NFL. So he was actually, so he was seventy fifth in the NFL in catchable target rate, which just highlights the seventy four receivers that had more consistently catchable balls. I guess for me, my concern is is that I think the predicted upgrading quarterback is is being baked into his price um i think that yes it's you know i absolutely love the player i think that he's the kind of guy that you can you know if you've got him as your wide receiver two maybe even wide receiver three on your team then then you're pretty much set and you're feeling very good about it um i do worry that his price is getting to a point at which i'm not comfortable paying it quite frankly um, so DLF have got him in the latest ADP as the wide receiver 12. That, that to me is, is just too high. Um, you know, this is a guy that, yes, whilst he's been great, he is an older player. Um, you know, he's, he's two years older than AJ Brown, despite them being at the same point in their career. He's, he's not had the level of production that AJ Brown has, and he's not that far away in terms of price. Um, you know, if, if you've got a guy that through two years has not been, higher than wide receiver 19 on the season. Yet, yet he's currently being priced as wide receiver 12 and he's he's 26 at the start of next year. Um, that's my only concern is that, yes, I think he will be an upgrade in terms of his production next year on this. Um, but I think that people are already expecting that to happen and therefore you're having to pay up to, to kind of get that uptick in production, if that makes sense. Yeah, there, there was there was a few to be honest that I could have thrown in. You know, DJ Moore was one I'd, I'd give a lot of consideration to as well. And again, very productive receiver in terms of yardage, but not a massive touchdown output. And again, that quarterback uncertainty going forward. I know Terry Bridgewater had a, a decent season, but I don't think he's the long term option in Carolina. There, there was a raft of of players I could have said here. I, I do think things will improve in Washington, and that's that's one of those. Like you said, Rich, it's you're almost reluctant to pay a price on someone like McLaurin when there's no certainty that there's a, a you know a top even a top fifteen quarterback walking through the door in Washington. We don't know that. I'm I'm just sort of pinning my hopes on that happening, and I think he, he does deserve a good quarterback. And I think if he gets someone like a Matt Stafford, I think you'll see more of like a Kenny Galladay kind of season from him. Um, which would be absolutely perfect. 
Yeah. So, I, yeah. I think that if he gets, you know, elite, you know, top 10, top 15 quarterback play, then I absolutely think that he can be, he's got potential to be a top five receiver next year in terms of fantasy production. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of he's a clear number one, you know, he had over 25% target share this year. Um, he's shown what he can do with the ball in his hands. I think he's, you know, a, a dream guy to have. Um, and indeed, if, if they do get that quarterback, then it's a, a great price to pay. Um, I just think that that's that's kind of my concern. Is and, and, and you don't get anywhere in Dynasty unless you take a few punts because if you just paid going rate for every player, you're never going to win a title because you just have a you know slightly above average team because you pay going rate for everyone and that's what you get kind of thing. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I love the guy. Um, I'm just cautious about how high that ADP number is starting to sneak up. So so that concludes our, our kind of five, I guess, whistle stop tour. I think the what I, I really like that you know the the kind of balance of the guys you picked. I think as we talked about, I, I like building around those those younger receivers because I think it you know spreads your window. Um, and then the way I always like to do is if I get to kind of halfway through the year and, and I've got a, a competing roster, then I'm happy to go out and buy that, you know, elite running back overpay if needs be to, to kind of tip me over the top. Um, I do think that there's an interesting point. I, I normally talk at this point of the year and start saying the guys you want to be buying are those rookie wide receivers heading into year two, because that's really where we start to see that huge breakout. Um, I do think this could be the, the kind of the exception that breaks that rule because the prices of these rookie receivers are absolutely astronomical. I mean, Justin Jefferson, you can't, you can't go out and buy Justin Jefferson at the moment. I think CD Lamb is is still being valued as a you know a top five, top six guy. Even T someone like T Higgins, who's Higgins, yeah. not not had the year that other guys have, but his his price is still ridiculously high. And then you've got you know Brandon Ayuk, Chase Claypool, Jerry Judy. You know they're still being valued at ridiculous rates. If you can go out and buy them then absolutely I think it's a, a great buy because I do think that they're the kind of easiest asset to see grow in terms of year one to year two production. But it's, it's all about that price, as I keep saying. So um, so before you go, Nick, um, I think... If we, oh, sorry, go on. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I think just um, with the ones you mentioned there, Rich, I think LaVisca Chenault is... Um, he's, he's a, he could be one to target because, again, you, you would assume... That Trevor Lawrence is is going to be the guy in Jacksonville next next season, <laughs> so we think. So again, I know he's um, you, you mentioned a few there with like you know T Higgins and Chase Claypool, are sort of that that tier two of receiver, if you will, from this draft class that we've just had. Um, I, I think Lavisca Chenault is is sort of like on the cusp of that tier two, maybe just sneaks into tier three. So I think if you can get him for um, a, a nice price, he's definitely maybe someone to target, and it's just just I think he's someone that's yeah. worth the risk maybe going into this season. Hundred percent, and I think you know you you've seen over the last probably three or four weeks, DJ Chark has been the the most talked about kind of dynasty asset in terms of everyone's everybody you listen to or everything you ever read is telling you to go out and buy DJ Chark mm-hmm. because he's going to see a clear upgrade at quarterback and and all that kind of stuff. I think actually, if you if you take a look at it and realise there's there's no guarantee that he's going to be the one to one in Jacksonville next year. It it could quite easily be Chenault, and mm. and you can get him for half the price at the moment. So, yeah. 
Um, so before you go, Nick, um, I just want to get your Dynasty Island picks. So, uh, so the first guy is a guy that you would want on your Dynasty Island next year. I've got I've got two rich Calvin Ridley's one. Okay. Um, it's, it seems an obvious one to me. He's, he's still still only twenty six. High touchdown volume. Julio Jones now looks like he is slowing down. Sadly, it, it's probably one of his worst seasons last seasons. And I know he was plagued with a bit of injury as well. Um, what I like with Ridley is we saw that uptick in in volume. So one hundred and forty three targets this season. 1,000 yards, which is the first time he's broke that in 2020. And he is on predominantly a pass-first offence as well. So he, he's someone that I just lo- love targeting my, in a lot of the startups last season. He, he, was, he was falling to sort of like, you know, round four, five, six. And I think that if you got him in those rounds, especially around that sort of fifth, sixth round, absolute money. Incredible value, yeah. And you mentioned you got two. Who's your other guy? Yeah, Nick Chubb's my other one. Um, so I know you you mentioned him as we were talking through the Jonathan Taylor thing. So I'm with you though. You know, outside of your, your, your top four, Kamara Cook, um, you know, McCaffrey, Barkley. I think Chubb's right there. Despite Kareem Hunt, he still finished RB nine with only twelve games under his belt as well. Um, if he'd have actually carried on at the same scoring rate as, as he did points per game, he'd have finished RB four on the season, which. You know, incredible. He's so consistent since he's come into the league. Five point six yards per carry, very efficient. You yeah. know, and again, he's he's got that that breakaway playability where if you know he breaks through, you you've seen in games where there was a game where Cleveland pretty they had it done. He could have walked it into the end zone actually, but you know, walked it out of play. Those those are the kind of plays he's got in his arsenal where he can just break a run off for eighty yards and he's taking it to the house. Yeah, so, I think yeah. I think he's the best. I choose my words carefully here. He's the best rushing back in the league yeah. for me. Um, I, I think I'd still take Saquon and McCaffrey ahead of him for their kind of all-round game. Yeah, um, the very yeah. yeah, in, in very, terms of pure rushing very ability, purest. Yeah, 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 I agree with that. So, who are you? Uh, who are you abandoning on the dynasty island? Um, two guys that I don't own anywhere at the moment. One is Michael Thomas, uh, or Slot Boy, as he's, he's known <laughs> as, I think. Um, I just don't like his game at all. I didn't like it going into this season. I think Drew Brees retiring potentially harms his output as well. Um, it, the offence, to me, feels like it revolves around Alvin Kamara now. and He's, he's still very effective at what he does, but I just I, I hate that game. I, I hate that, sort of that, that quick slant catch move the chains kind of thing it's i think it just bores me watching it it, it, he bores me and i just don't don't know what it is i just even you know when i had the chance to draft michael thomas last season i was finding that i was looking for other players to draft instead of him and in some instances i i I targeted Devontae adams because i just preferred him as a receiver all round. i think he's got a, a miles better receiving game than michael thomas does a lot more to his game a lot more versatile so yeah i I just avoid him like the plague to be honest yeah you've, you've hit on my my two biggest victory laps from last year was I called Michael Thomas a must sell before the season I said <laughs> you know I, I've, I've said it a couple of times but I think that you would draft him is absolute peak value and you've got a guy that had one year left with the quarterback and that was part of the reason that his value was so high um, yeah. and also had Devontae Adams over him in in terms of both startup and and redraft um Rankings, so so very happy with my two little victory laps there. Um, yeah. So who who was your your other guy? Sorry, 
Uh, Zeke Elliott was my other guy, um, and pretty much for the reasons that we've mentioned, he, he's past that window now where I, I look for running backs. I, I, any shares that I had in him this season were not really from drafting him. It was more from taking over orphan teams, and I've got rid of all my shares of, of Zeke Elliott. Um, just too much wear on his tyres for me, and I think the situation he finds himself in, the offensive line in Dallas, feels like it's gone f- in, in the past even the past 12 months, it feels like it's gone from one of the best lines to a very average underperforming line. And I know they've not been helped by Travis Fredericks, um, you know, retiring and, you know, the injuries with, with Tyron Smith and Zach Martin missed a bit of time and moved across the line last season as well, I think. But yeah, it it just, there's, there's there's too much worther, you know, Pollard, Pollard came in and looked surprisingly good in these limited opportunities as well. I'm not convinced Zeke Elliott will even be on the Cowboys next year. I don't know if they maybe try and shop him, but he's got a big contract. So, you know, best of luck to a team taking that on. Yeah, I think, um, but it, I think that's the challenge is I can't yeah, see, I can't see any team being willing to take that contract. I think they'd probably have to pay somebody to take it off their hands. Cause... Yeah, that's it. It's, it's similar. It feels like a similar situation to what the Rams were in with Gurley. Um, given Zeke's probably a little bit more healthy than Gurley was because Gurley had the, the chronic knee issue. Um but that being said, when you look at Zeke's fantasy points per game, he has actually regressed every season that he's been in the league. So, sell everywhere for me. Yeah. And I think that, to be honest, if you've still got him on your roster, you've probably missed your sell window. Mm. Um, because I think his his you know his value has completely plummeted. Um, I, I am a little bit intrigued. I'm getting to the point where his cost is getting to a point where I'm kind of intrigued of him as a bit of a buy-low. Um, I do wonder if, you know, if Tyron Smith comes back healthy, if Lyle Collins comes back healthy, if Zach Martin comes back healthy and that, you know, then they re-sign Dak. And I do wonder if, you know, he, he could potentially be that that running back for, for maybe one more year. Um, if his price keeps dropping, I might start to kind of consider him. I'm not calling him it yet, but I might consider him a bylo. Um, if I can get him for probably what I'd class as a contender's first. So anything sort of 107 later at the moment. Um, and I think that I can win next year. Then for me, that's that's a great price. Um, but yeah. as a general rule of thumb, yeah, I'm, I'm with you in that I'm, I'm very much off him and, until that price gets to a point that he might become palatable. I think I'd, I agree with you there, Rich. But I think I'd probably prefer to target someone like a Joe Mixon maybe over over a Zeke. I think Zeke's got the higher ceiling potentially, but I think Joe Mixon's maybe got a bit more longevity in him still, if if you were yeah. looking for a bit more value from from that. That that's me personally, but I was super high on Mixon going into this season. Um I, I, he's another that I feel if if you know the there's a, a key position that the Bengals need to draft and that's the offensive line. I can't see them ignoring that in free agency in the draft, given that Joe, Joe Burrow spent more time on his back than on his feet last year. So I think his his potential output stands to to increase if he can stay on the field. So that's that's the kind of player I'm targeting over Zeke, but I, I'd completely understand you know, paying that latter end of the first round, maybe even early second, if you can tempt someone away f- for that, because there's definitely still a ceiling there to Zeke that he can he can churn out a top, you know, RB ten kind of output if he's if he's healthy and if his line's healthy. Yeah, I think that I think 
you know, I keep saying it's taking into account cost. Um, yeah, I think I'd probably prefer Mixon over Zeke because uh, I think Zeke is certainly at the moment still more expensive. But to me, I'd probably pivot somewhere else and probably go and get something like an Austin Eckler or something like that. Dare I say it, maybe even someone like a James Robinson because I think their prices are probably similar and I still think I'm, I'm, I'm fast becoming to think that I'm in the minority here, but I do think that Jackson will let James Robinson be the lead back again next year rather than going out and, and signing somebody else. Um, with that. But yeah, but th- thank you ever so much, Nick, for, for coming on. It's, it's been fantastic. It's been, uh, it's been really great to chat things through. Um, so where, just remind us, where, where can everyone find you and have you got anything to plug? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Nick of Wigan and myself and Mark do the Five Yard Rush Daily Fantasy Sports Show, which comes out usually around a Thursday. Um, we won't, you won't be hearing from us this week, but we'll be back again <laughs> next week for, for the Super Bowl for showdown. But yeah, that, that's where you can uh, where you can usually find me. And I've no doubt in the off season, I'll be popping up on the odd Five Yard, five yard Pod here and there as well. So... Good to hear. So, you, so you're not doing a DFS pod for the the Pro Bowl showdown then? <laughs> Funnily enough, we did joke about it, but um, <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely, I don't even know if they do that. I assume they, they probably do because you can you can sort of bet on anything now, can't you? But that I mean, it's a pointless game, isn't it? It's not even worth talking about. So I don't um, even know what they're I doing this year. Do- waste my time. I don't even know what they're doing this year. It's not a game, is it? It's some sort of random sort of events that they're doing remotely and things so but uh, but yeah thank you ever so much for joining us Nick thank you ever much so much for, for listening guys and we will see you again next week a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.